0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. And everywhere you get your podcasts on demand, thanks for hanging out. No, like, thank you. Thank you for hanging out here on a Monday. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. A uh, lot of business, a lot to break down here on Upon Further Review Monday. We do have or upon further review, some of the the little tidbits that we were able to pick up on since the Instant Reaction show. We have Poll Assassin, where we will be reacting to not just some of the rankings' movements, but also some of the interesting ballots uh, that we have seen in the wake of those Week 3 scores and results, uh, headlines, and much, much more. Uh, Fantastic job on a Sicko Saturday recap, Tom, bud. Y'all banged it. It was fantastic.
2: i mean did we do too well people are asking like, like I, I think i think that's the, the guy that said this might be chip's burner account because chip doesn't want to have to do late night saturdays anymore He's Like, you guys the best two-man show i i how much did chip pay this guy people are asking
0: the people hey listen or uh don't don't foia any of my phone records please um all right I'm so them, never mind one of the four of chips yeah yeah one of the uh games that was going on and you know we were getting updates throughout the instant reaction show was all the latest you know we'd had the fumble scoop and score the fumbles oh god this game's getting a little bit crazy it only got crazier as colorado outlasts colorado state in double overtime lots to get to in terms of uh, the bigger picture the fallout hey danny we'll we'll get to the fallout in, in in just a little bit but did, are you more, I Travis? Oh All right. You want to start with Travis Hunter? That's the most significant piece of this, right? The
1: cheap shot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The cheap shot that's going to knock Travis Hunter out for a couple of weeks. Um, awful, like just sort of violent cheap shot. And now we've got a situation where Colorado, as it goes into Oregon in week four and USC in week five with the official diagnosis reportedly being you know, out a couple of weeks, has not been defined any further than that as far as I've seen. I'm not expecting him to play for either one of these games. You know, what did we learn about Colorado as it did have to finish this game and finish off this win without its most outstanding uh, pass catcher and arguably overall athlete?
3: It was, first of all, it was a phenomenal game uh, and back and forth. Um, The Henry Blackburn hit. Why, why didn't he get ejected? Is it because a, a, it wasn't be, targeting?
1: So it's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, with his helmet.
3: Isn't there room though, within the, <laughs> like just the official's power to say, oh, you the know what? Man, like, conduct? Personal yeah. yeah. Personal foul. You're gone. Even that being said, I think Jay Norvell, I think the mountain West, I think somebody should come out and he should be reprimanded. Like, I think it's a bad look for the sport if he faces zero repercussions, it just sets a horrible tone. So I think something should come of it. Travis Hunter, I hate it. You're right because it's going to be a stretch here, and you don't want any excuses, and you just want to see their best, right? Because I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I think we all think they're going to struggle or it's going to be much more challenging for them, and you just you want to see them full speed so there's nothing. And then my last takeaway, like Shador has been kind of, you know, kind of rising up these charts, and I think for all of us, we've kind of been like, all right, It's still lesser competition, you know, but he's still dealing and he's phenomenal. And all of a sudden he's Mel Kuyper's projected number one overall pick. When I hear that, I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's slow down a little bit. The last two scores, the 98 yard drive, I am becoming a big believer in Shador, the playmaker, the ice in his veins, just as a legit quarterback that absolutely deserves to be in the conversation with. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix. Like, he absolutely deserves it. I mean, it was – and, mo- like, to take the hits that he took, including another dirty hit in this game, when he got absolutely leveled, comes guy, lands on him, didn't flinch one bit. I thought, he's a warrior, man. So, I um, I am liking Shadour more and more every time I see him play.
2: So, Skip Bayless said that it's a lacerated liver for Travis Hunter, and he's going to miss a month uh, at least. However,
0: can, I, can I, I mean? Listen, I'm not going to disparage good Mr. Bayless, but how about let's go with our own Carl Reed? Says,
2: yeah, I, I just saw that. Uh, okay. uh, Carl Carl says that he's out for three weeks, according to Dion. Uh, so, but Car- I, Carl did not. Did Carl say what it was? I don't think Bayless would would make the last rated liver part up. Obviously.
3: Um, that makes a lot of sense too, like that diagnosis because he was able to come back and it was probably starting to bother him worse. And then the fact that he was hospitalized after does make more sense. That's brutal. Okay, what, what did like you think about the form on the iPhone for it? Well, that's the other thing. Cause it was, it did seem like the coverage, especially <clears> on you know social media was very much how Colorado state was dirty. It was dirty both ways. Mm-hmm. Do you guys that's think, I mean, is it, um, yeah, I mean, it, you don't, want, you don't want your quarter. You don't want anybody doing the eye poke. I mean, that's as cheap as it gets as well. But it's kind of like an eye for an eye. You got my guy. I, like That's why I thought the officials sucked. I thought they let the game get out of yeah. hand a little bit. Uh, and th- they were just bad. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was. A, and it, I do think, and this is probably all of us, it's not just Nor- Jay Norvell or, you know, Dion kind of clapping back and the war of words that's taking place, but – uh, it's already a violent, emotional game. You add another level to that, stuff like that's going to happen. That's why I thought the officials early in the game, almost one of those ones that you see like in Little League, you know, like Pee Wee football, where you pull over both. And it, you don't have to just pull over the coaches. You guys need to get your team under control. And how many penalties were there? 17, like for one eight, like Let's at halftime, <laughs> at some point in the game, you called co- you know, you have to have that message with the coaches.
1: 17 I, for 187 on Colorado State and 10 for 87 on Colorado.
2: Uh, that's kind of what you expected, given some of the pregame back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're you're warming up with the Rolex on, like like guys are going back and forth each other, got the little pregame, you know, uh, what are we gonna call that? Like not certainly not a fight. shenanigans, like, oh, just, a a, like, shenanigans, scuffle, like like there no not physical, just just a, yeah, little little pregame. Uh, Pre-game meetup, a, a little pre-game smack talk. It, it certainly was dirty both sides. It's really unfortunate, obviously. Like that. I mean, obviously, like Travis is going to miss three or four weeks, right? Like that's not good. Um, I. That's one of my favorite guys. Like I like watching him play a ton, um, especially with thought, Oregon coming up. Broadcast wise, they were very lucky they had Lewis Riddick on, like a guy that like knows personnel and has worked in front offices before. Because I thought the broadcast was just so Colorado. And like clearly it was, because you wouldn't go to this game if it wasn't a show. We, we saw Van Pelt's tweet saying, like, hey, nobody told Colorado State this was a show that they, they showed up for a fight. But like as the game went on, it was like, Oh, they, they didn't do a lot of prep on Colorado State, <laughs> right? Like they're like Lewis Riddick saved that broadcast butt because mm-hmm. he knows what he's looking at, and he's like, Hey, that's an NFL guy. Like, that's an NFL guy. If it's some random dude who has not worked in personnel.
3: I think it would have been a real disaster. Um, That's but, what got me in yeah, trouble, too. It, because as I was watching both you know, networks go there and you're watching the coverage, it was so lopsided. I really wish I tweeted you guys something or texted you guys something in our group chat. Like, if you would have said... The play-by-play guy was terrible. Like, if, that was yeah. ridiculous. But I'm talking about the preview shows in general. Like, we didn't hear from Norvell. We didn't hear from a player... I, if you would have said, "Can you name me three Colorado State players, or just their quarterback?" I think you would have gotten crickets. From any, like, it's can we just talk about one? I like one segment because I get it's about Dion. I get that, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I like started to like Colorado State more. I'm like, they must be livid. Like they're not even talking to us. because like when you go back, anytime there's a game day show, they have put both coaches on air. You know, they have them both out there. They trot them out there. They interview them. It was so lopsided, and I get it, but it just feels so desperate to grab onto the Dion hype train. And that's where I was getting – so, like, I got a lot of heat when we get to the – but, like, it was more about the coverage was annoying because I still think Dion's great for college football. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Like, He's I bringing know. in so
2: many, like, like, guys who aren't college football fans in, into this sport right now. Yeah. yeah. And I hope Clearly. they stay. Especially if – I mean, look, Oregon's a 21-point favorite this weekend. Right. Colorado is leading the nation in yards lost due to sacks. This thing will turn back into a pumpkin
3: at some point. I have a question for you guys Did anybody that was either talking about the game or coaching in the game know the overtime rules?
1: Well, we know Colorado didn't. (laughs) I don't think Colorado did. And I know that's, I want to clear it up because there was like a lot of confusion because Colorado started with the ball first, which is not something you see
2: very often. Usually, because Shador. Did not? Yeah, they didn't know what to yeah, say. They, they Colorado botched that. Like that is hundred percent. Yeah the the coaching error there was. Uh, but look, they didn't play very many close games at Jackson State because they had more talent than than the rest of the league combined. But I,
1: I just want to make clear for our listeners and viewers that in overtime, it is not alternating possession; it is alternating choice. And you just see every team choosing to be on defense first because that way they know what they have to do when they get the ball. But it is not alternating possession. Cause there was a lot of confusion about that on Saturday night.
0: Yeah. Is that like alternative facts, you know, alternative choice, you know, everybody <laughs> just has to choose their own adventure in this new overtime. Everything is, uh, everything's fantastic. Do you think that Colorado state should have gone for the win?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: because yeah, you adequately. have your best
0: two
2: point play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, like, Danny, you, like, you know how you do this on mm-hmm. Thursday, we're going to rep the two point play. Okay. And then we might rep a second one just in case, but like, you have one two point play that you're going to use because you probably haven't used it so far in the season, unless you've had like a lot of a lot of low red zone stuff, and it's the one you feel good about. If you're going to run that at some point, you, why not run it then to where it can win you the game? Uh, not not going for the win, I thought, was an error, especially mm-hmm. because you didn't have the pass rusher who was really messing up Colorado. Kamara, like once he's out, it did t- like strongly tip in Colorado's favor. There was Again, also the punt too
1: on fourth and one. Yeah. Was it?
0: Oh, instead of going for
2: it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they, were co- like, they, they coach scared at the end of that game.
2: Well, because the thing yeah. is, if you go for it and miss, Colorado can still drive down and score, and it leaves you with an actual, like, realistic chance to run your real offense to come back and maybe kick a game winning field goal, mm-hmm. which at altitude, I mean, Danny, you played in Denver, like, yep. are much more makeable. Like, 50 yarders happen up there more than they do elsewhere. So, um,
1: they're in Columbia, Missouri, the only two places where you can drill long ass field goals.
3: Also, too, where, yeah, that was insane. The like, and admit, like, I try to taste consistent with the takes. And I remember, and I like, so we all, I think we all had the same exact reaction, which again, no one brought up on the broadcast. No, not one like, oh, what about going for two? Not even a mention. But last year, Alabama, LSU, Brian Kelly goes for two mm-hmm. and wins the game. And even if you don't, like, I would not have criticized Jay Norvell for going for two. You'd be like, hey, you got, but the same exact thought I had against that Bama-LSU game, you can't let Bryce Young go out there and beat you. The same exact way with Shador. You can't let Shador beat you. You have to control that narrative, especially when your best defensive pass rushers out of the game. Like you mm-hmm. played right – there was just so many things because I thought Jay Norvell outcoached him for 57, 58 minutes. And then in the last few minutes and in an overtime, I thought that's where he, you know they, they clammed up. They did for sure. And
0: right. to your point about Shador, this is like leading that comeback in the fourth quarter. had all sense. the momentum. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You don't give him the ball. Okay, Danny. Look, also <laughs> we're not perfect
2: and yeah. we would not make great coaches. There are certain things that are just, well, Oh, I would you, yeah, like, you don't yourself. need like, like there's really no excuse <laughs> to botch the overtime thing. Right? Like, like that's just, you just, those are errors you can't make, Not, but you can make them if you have a huge talent advantage with the rest of your league. Like, we th- we are learning about how Dion is as a coach in close games. He handled it extremely well at TCU. They did mount the comeback here, but like, how has he ever coached an overtime game?
0: Did they have an know. overtime
2: game at Jackson State? Maybe they has one in, the, in year two.
0: Didn't they have one, one, one in the bowl games? Game? Changing too, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. you, you might be thinking, like, okay, so crap. What what right. is this? You know, new yeah. new setup that you've got going in.
1: But he also has a former head coach as his offensive coordinator, who should and probably Charles be Kelly filling him in on this stuff too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of experience on that staff. Um Danny, what's what's the current level of uh of feud? Like are we are we at like a 7 or an 8 with you and the
3: Sanders family? Yeah, I think so. Um it's it's been an interesting 24 hours, I would say, on social media. <laughs> and I get it like I definitely poked the bear. I put it out there. That was a shocking one to see that one especially after i didn't really i didn't now do you guys think that poll is leading or uh, implying that i think they shouldn't do you guys think does that poll because that's all i did was put out the the poll should you storm the field and it was already a debate that was starting to rage i saw some uh jack mcguire with barstool with those guys he said you know i can't believe you did it. i saw big cat say oh absolutely so i saw the debate kind of going i was genuinely curious like all right what do people think like is this obvious I didn't have a huge problem with it. I'm like I get it. Like you guys have not been relevant for 15, 20 years. It's the emotion. I thought the the outcome of the game like overtime absolutely played into it. Like if they beat them by three touchdowns, they don't rush the field. I thought it was perfectly acceptable. So I just thought it was a poll, you know. It's like all right. And then all of a sudden I open up my I'm like why are there so many comments on my like why are there so many reactions. I'm like, geez. And then, I mean, you know, I saw Dion's son uh, come out with the comment and I was like, Oh boy, here we go.
0: I do think storm the field and 24 point favorites imply you Clemson. should not.
3: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, maybe these Colorado guys are a little
2: self-conscious here. I, I thought you were talking about Clemson cause they do the storm, like the field storming every single week and they were 24 yeah. over FAU and they, they, they beat them at you meant Colorado. I, the, huh? Okay.
3: Yes. It definitely caught me by surprise. So Sunday was interesting to say the least Because then it's like, what do you do? Like, do you respond? And I did. I was just like all class, like just kind of whatever. It'll be interesting to see because I don't like, and it's, there's been some wild takes as far as I'm all of a sudden anti Dion. I think I've been excited about Dion. I think I've been happy for success. The Florida State comments absolutely bothered me, but we hashed it out. I called him out, and that was Dion, you know, primetime that was responding to me. I was just kind of surprised by the response there. Do you think, Leon does his own tweeting because I have a hunch that maybe he doesn't. And it was his son that responded to me the first time, but he didn't want to say this from the primetime account. Possible.
1: Yeah. I also noticed that they ignored all the tweets where you were saying wonderful things about Shadur.
2: Right. Course. Yeah. <laughs> right. Look, it, it, it is a show.
3: Mm-hmm. Hey. And it is work. And he is. I mean, think about how many millions in – not an, I know the sunglasses thing, but what about the free advertising, free recruiting? And he, mm-hmm. ab- he he mentioned it. He's like, "Yep, I hope all your recruits are watching this. What we so can after be the they rock talking about him. was on yeah. game
0: day. Yeah. The rock was <laughs> on game him. day. Dion Sanders is changing college football, <laughs> and you want to be a part of it? And Dion's just sitting there. He goes, "Recruits, listen to the man." <laughs> right.
1: Why did doesn't the rock so, do that
0: for Miami?
3: I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, that's a great question. How pissed are you? If you're Mario Cristobal, you're making it easy Wait, what him. the? F? What are you what? doing? bro?
2: He's, I, I think Cristobal will be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's It'll uh, be interesting to see. Although, I mean, look, but they did beat him on, on hmm
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, He um, isn't playing yet. I think, right.
0: They did have the rock on to break down Miami's three and O start. And, uh, and, and and go game by game the rest of the way. So he was he, he put in some time for uh, for Mario as well. What
3: is probably the most, and this is more like serious, like the most disappointing thing is like the cries of racism and like that like really yeah. bothers me because I'm I'm I just, I'm not and it really gets to you and that's like a lot of what's built in and I can see it coming when they do lose and I don't want that because they're but this is what happens when you're that brash and confident and it happens in any walk of life. The minute you struggle, the people that are jealous or don't like your brashness and your cockiness and your confidence are going to come out. And then there's this very quick And the thing that I think it's going to happen is going to come from analysts or people on TV are going to say, oh, we don't you know, this is why it's happening. And I I think it's human nature to we see it all the time. People built up in the media and then they're ready. You know, they're ready for the fall and people want to come crush you for it. And it's just I think it's going to be ugly, you know, when they do lose. The one I thing
1: common that. in mankind throughout our entire history is we build people up and then tear them down the very first opportunity we get. That is every culture, every civilization through time. I am excited it, over.
0: What gotcha. in the next I was gonna say, I'm excited they've won these first three because if this was gonna be one in five through the first six games, yeah. or we go one in mm-hmm. four through the first six games, then it was just gonna be toxic inside and out, right? Yeah, you right. Know, like a lot a lot of big Picture statements, and, and it might not have even given the players in that locker room a chance to respond. I think the fact that you've got these three wins in your pocket, then you try to endure, you realize what the real measuring stick is out there in the Pac 12. And look, on the other side of USC on September 30th, there are more winnable games as we've gone over and as we'll continue to break down. So well,
1: let me ask you a question then, Chip. All right. After watching that game on Saturday night, are you still feeling eight wins?
0: So we've already got three. And I definitely hey, think look bad. Arizona <laughs> what Arizona yeah. State looked bad. Like yeah, I'm are. saying Arizona State, Stanford, Arizona gets us to six. I think there's six. A-
2: ASU is pulling the trigger, and I think they firing. Like they're out of like they're out of players. Like mm-hmm. they, I think they had like eight offensive linemen. They thought they could play, and they're without six of them. And now they're like they're out two or t- like two of their maybe their top three quarterbacks. So. Uh, I mean, it sucks because you still got to play the remaining nine games, but they're they're just out of players. It looks like
3: I I'm mean. done because all I kept thinking is I. I mean, I thought they were going to lose that game. Is I have no idea what this team is because coming in the season, I'm like, oh, they're going to lose the first two, and then they're going to beat Colorado State, and they did the exact opposite. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, I don't know, and I like that's why I'm scared to touch them against Oregon or USC. I think they get boat race, but I wouldn't be shocked. I. But I mean I just think the offensive and defensive lines are a very real issue that's going to get exposed.
0: No, nah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and and, and table that for uh Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we got a some, big September, game September 28th now. because uh oh. that sounds like a lock fight if you think USC's defense is keeping Shadur Sanderson checked. Oh. You did not get an answer. <laughs> Come on. We, did,
2: we did not get an answer on on Chips feeling on the 8 wins, though.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I probably 7, right? Okay. You know, like I I just I need went six for that
2: 50 to 1 shot.
0: I went and got six really easy, and then the question is: at Washington State, Oregon State at home, you know what what happens in a UCLA game where there's probably going to be hundred points. You know,
3: who knows? I don't know if they're easy though. Even like an like you're going to get everybody's best shot now, like just like they got against Colorado State. We'll see. Coming up on the
0: other side, speaking of poking the bear and doing a little bit of trolling, man, it's been a while since Lane got up and uh, hit a home run. He is needling Alabama while they're down. We get into that. Plus pull assassin. And upon further review, next. One of the big games of the week here in week four, an absolutely loaded week four, is an SEC West showdown between Alabama and Ole Miss. Now, as uh, Bud and Tom detailed in the Instant Reaction Show, zero questions have been answered about this Alabama offense, specifically the quarterback position. But it is an attention on the defensive side of the ball where Lane Kiffin has decided to, uh, you know, at least at least drop some... Uh, and listen, as context here, who is uh, Lane Kiffin's defensive coordinator right now? Pete Golding, Golding who may have gotten you know we'll we'll see about his exit from Alabama staff but le- not a lot of coaches willingly leave Alabama staff if Nick Saban is super happy with them and they're happy being there so Um, this is what Lane Kevin said. If you're watching right now on youtube.com slash cover three, it's on the screen. We've been against Kevin Steele a number of times, worked with him at Alabama and against him at Auburn and LSU. Seems like there's been a change there. I don't know what happened after the Texas game, but our guys watching the TV copy and schematically in the last game, the win against South Florida, certainly seem like T-Rob, cornerbacks coach Tavares Robinson Certainly seems like T-Rob's now calling the defense. We've played him before at South Carolina, so we're preparing accordingly for him calling the defense. He's done a good job, too, and they've got really good players.
2: Uh, All right, so this is absolutely Lane trying to mess with Nick Saban. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's fairly obvious that there's some stuff going on staff-wise. At Alabama, but I don't know that it's super obvious from watching the film. This is where I, I'm, I'm interested in this. Like, the TV copy for that game was weird because of the lightning delay for, for Bama USF over the weekend, and they only had two camera angles for a while due to like cameraman safety. So, did they get some kind of like look on the sidelines as to whether T Rob or, or Steel was calling this thing? Or, And here's where I think it's probably more of an interesting tweak by Lane. Because he may have really looked at it and said, okay, you could either see who's actually calling it, which seems unlikely, or you could see different things that they're doing schematically and say that's a T-Rob thing and not a steal thing, which to me, and I don't know the game as well as Lane does or as well as the guys on Lane's staff does. But to me, that seems unlikely too, actually, especially because they played USF USF runs a carbon copy of the offense that Tennessee runs. You probably don't want to show a whole bunch of different things to Tennessee as to, as as far as here are the new things that we've learned to defend Tennessee's or Tennessee style offense. Which, by the way, Lane Kiffin runs runs a similar type of offense, and you'll see him next week. So, I thought Bama kept it extremely vanilla in that in that football game. Like, why would you show? Because the last time you faced this thing, Tennessee absolutely destroyed you. Like, why would you show anything new? I tend to think because Lane coached for Nick and because all these coaches talk like it's it's a whole so in circle thing. I don't think he's wrong, but I don't think he got it from watching Bama's defense. I think he probably got it from talking to people because I think he's actually right about this. I think that they may have had to simplify some things and let T-Rob communicate to these kids a little better. I I think maybe there's a chance that Nick Saban went back to the, the stuff that brought him comfort running the ball. You know, good defense with Kevin, who I had back back in the day, getting the band back together type stuff. And I don't know how well that worked. I actually didn't think they were that bad against Texas, right? I thought they did a pretty good job and forced Texas to make some high level throws. And Sark was really in his bag. And yours, who had never thrown a deep touchdown pass in his life, went, what, six of eight on balls over over 15 in the air, Mm -hmm. including a PI? Like, really good play by Texas. But I think Lane's right. And I think. The, what probably annoys Saban more is that I don't. Th- I don't think Lane got it from from, from watching this, this defense at all. I, I think Lane got it because people in coaching circles talk.
1: I mean, I I think Alabama's defense looks different because Quinn Ewers was actually able to complete long passes past it, which is something most quarterbacks haven't been able to do. So from that aspect, sure, it looks different. I think you're right. If Lane is correct, then it's not from watching and crushing film. But I also think you hit on something there too, which I mean, I mentioned this in Slack this morning with Chip in the college football Slack room. Like, if you look at a lot of the underlying metrics and the predictive metrics, a lot of areas, Alabama still looks really good. Like, even if you look at the 17 to 3 win over USF on Saturday, from a down to down success rate standpoint and that kind of stuff, Alabama dominated that game. They just didn't score points, which comes back to what Alabama's real problem is it is not a schematic change on defense. It is not as who is calling the plays and who is in charge. It is the fact that Alabama has now gone through three quarterbacks and none of them have done anything to inspire confidence in the rest of the team. Like there was the report today about the players only meeting where we kind of hashed things out and let out our feelings and blah, blah, blah. They needed to hold that meeting without the QB. So they can just complain about them and talk about how they're holding this team back because that is
2: Alabama's problem right now. Well, like, did you see Josh Pate's tweet? Mm-mm. Jordan, pull that up. No, just the tweet.
3: Well, I well, while we get it, I, I totally agree with you, bud. I don't think because Kevin Steele's in the booth. You never know who's calling the plays. Like even if you had camera on the you know on the sidelines, somebody's signaling them. They have headsets. Like you don't know who's behind the philosophy. Maybe you could tell a little bit schematically, but in no way would you be able to like just say, oh, this is a different person calling plays. So
2: Pace said, I believe Alabama had players disagree with the staff's quarterback decision and give a no-show effort in response.
0: Mm. Was this That's on, like on a- Sunday night's show? So this was after the USF game? Yeah. Last mm-hmm. night. I did think it was weird when Milrow was leading them out of and the And he time. also said he thought Milrow was suspended. Whoa. Whoa. That was yeah. interesting. So, I, I, yeah, I saw that Milro was like giving him the, the pump-up talk to him in the tunnel. Milro led the team out, and, you know, I was like, yeah, well, that's interesting considering the biggest storyline heading into this game is how he's not going to start anymore, and then he didn't play at all, right? I mean, no, it was
1: just Simpson and Buckner. Simpson and Buckner, and
3: both of them were terrible. It's yeah. – they got a massive problem at quarterback are they gonna um, lose
0: to Ole Miss they could yeah I, I or, think they
3: go back to Milrow
2: so that's what I was gonna ask you guys what do they do now but it's a, it, but but now we know like could they win the SEC if Georgia somehow like doesn't get its act together or if LSU stumbles <sighs> maybe mm. but they can't win a national title with Jalen Milrow like if I get well actually done this then I'll, maybe I'll just quit But like, like with with the way he passed,
3: watch out, yeah. Like,
2: (laughs) if we kind of know what their ceiling is now, if that's who they have to go to, that's a problem, guys. There,
3: there is a massive problem. I think there's two ways to look at this because I do think Milrow probably took the high road. You know, you saw with Jalen Hurts the way he was, you know, praised for handling the situation when he got benched. I mean, I think it's very uh, McFerrary this
2: morning. Kind of went the other way on this. He McElroy said. Uh, apparently, this is from tweets about McElroy's show. I don't have the actual audio. Uh, Milroy didn't handle uh, not having to share uh, reps with Simpson and Buckner last week. Uh, I assume in practice he means, and that's why he didn't play. Uh, McElroy said, "When you saw Milroy congratulating him on TV at USF, McElroy said that's not how it went down in practice last week."
3: So things are great. Is I really- don't want to throw him. I don't want to throw him under the bus. But we did do a show for yeah. a while together. He kind of, there was the same kind of sentiment about Jalen Hurts that a lot of it was public. Got it. You know? Okay, but I mean, because I think the coaches, yeah, I don't, you know, I think they're probably feeding them some information too. But I, I do think I see. I don't know what they do because if it is like if you go back to Milrow, who I completely disagree with the decision to bench him before that game. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't like Milro, why the heck did you roll him out there the first two games? Like, if you were that ins- unsure and you kind of, and I, I think they didn't. I think you probably have a power dynamic struggle between Tommy Reese and Nick Saban over who is supposed to play. And I think Nick Saban probably that it didn't delineate itself. You couldn't tell who was the guy. Saban's like, we're going to go with the guy that's been here. We're going to go with the veteran. He's mobile. We saw him last year. He can handle the moment. And he looked great against Middle Tennessee. And it was probably like, yeah, that's why we did it. And then against Texas, it was awful. And Tommy Reese is probably like, I can't throw with this guy. Like, what do you want me to do? Let me get my guy a chance. So then he gets the opportunity. And I do think there's probably an issue in the locker room over the new guy versus the guy that's been there and probably does have a better relationship. It is a mess right now for Bama. Well, if you play receiver at Bama, you're pissed
2: because you went there to catch right. balls and they don't have anybody who can throw the balls to you. Among the three. Correct. Correct. Because that's
0: the thing. It's like Milrow struggles against Texas. Uh, like some of this, as we discussed for a week, should be Texas's defense passing a huge test. Yeah. And now we look at what happened against USF. I mean, that's a not being able to get it done against USF is staggering.
3: No doubt. Well, I'll say yeah. this: like you, it is impossible to throw in that type of weather. And even when it's even when it kind of goes, everything's still kind of you know damp, and the balls are heavier. It's just a, a, a crazy you know, uncomfortable feeling for a quarterback. But do you know what you do in that situation if you're Bama? You line up and you cram it down their throat, which they couldn't. That, to me, is like, what happened to this offensive line that was supposed to be the best mm. OL that we've seen under Nick Saban?
2: Do you, Danny, like you played quarterback. Do you read into, like, offensive linemen not picking up a quarterback after they get sacked? Like, not helping them up?
3: Yeah, I mean, I would I would absolutely want to be picked Cause up. Because that happened like, a couple times. Like, yeah.
2: Kid got rocked and the O-line... Right. Maybe there is stuff there. I don't know. Like this is very speculative, but clearly there's something going on.
1: Um, I will say neither Buckner or Simpson turned the ball over. So yeah.
3: Did you guys see the sad video of Saban walking through the tunnel like after the game? Like it was sad. Like he looked worn out. Like they're walking to the locker room through the tunnel, and he just looked. And I would I would expect it. Um, He just not why he wants to go out. Hey, right. bud, bud, I'm joining your team. I heard I he's on
0: the instant reaction show, bud just threw it out. That he said, "Tommy, you think this is it for Saban?" And he's starting to say, "Like, I, I, think this is wrapping it up. I'm starting to believe that this, this might be it." I
1: don't see him going out like this, though. Well, how do you see him going out? I see him rallying the troops for a transfer quarterback this offseason that will fix a lot of problems and get this team back in contention to win a national title. We'll see. Right. I will say he should call Bill Belichick, and they c- can commiserate about how much
2: more difficult it is to win when you no longer have a QB. But you don't think my half of the SEC West jobs opening the, the, this offseason is, is as crazy as it was a month ago? No, but it's the SEC.
1: I mean, I, I feel will like say, half
2: the jobs can open up at any given time. Sam Pittman, his buyout goes down a lot if his record at Arkansas is under 500 Ooh, by the time, or at, at at the time of termination.
0: Wait, the Arkansas team that blew two different double-digit leads in the same game at home to BYU?
2: Yeah, that one. Yep. the Arkansas team that has a realistic shot to lose the next four.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, it'll be very uh, interesting. Coming up on the other side, <clears throat> two orders of business we still got to get to. We still got to break down the new AP Top 25 poll, some interesting rankings movement, and of course, a couple interesting ballots and... More of our takeaways from the weekend. That was it, is upon further review coming up. Next. You know, got out some Halloween decorations yesterday. Just made me start thinking about our good friend, Jeff Banks, and one of my favorite Monday segments. This is Pole Assassin. Not a whole lot of change in the top 10. In fact, one, Georgia, two, Michigan, three, Texas, USC at five, Ohio State at six, Penn State at seven, Washington at eight, Notre Dame at nine, all stay in place. Just a one-spot swap for Texas and Florida State after the Seminoles escape. With a close win after a late charge from Boston College uh, up there in Chestnut Hill, other big changes. We saw a massive drop for Tennessee after the loss at Florida. The Gators arrive in the poll at number 25. Um, any other movements of note? Some other two to three spots shift throughout the the rankings. Uh, something stand out before we get to individual ballots in terms of what's changed.
1: I was a little surprised Alabama
0: fell three spots just because it struggled in the win.
1: Like, I thought that getting the win and the fact that, like, Utah played Weber State, I didn't think it was going to go drop in three spots. I thought it might drop out of the top ten, but that was a little bit of a shock, yeah. I agree with can you we talk that.
3: about? Can yeah. we talk about the elephant in the room? No clue. I mean, but, well, Tennessee played Florida, right? Oh. And so... And Florida got a big win against Tennessee, and yet you're and I get it. Like if they're kind of far apart, it's deep in the season, but we just saw what unfolded, and wouldn't we all agree that Florida like significantly looked like the better team? It wasn't fluky. Like it's and Florida lost to a pretty good Utah team that's in the top ten or top wherever they are, top twelve.
2: So to push back, okay, Utah was missing a ton of guys, including their top two quarterbacks in that game.
3: Okay. Still, what they've done since then, they've remained. It is a loss against an 11th-ranked team on the road. And you're right there in front of each other. I see this dynamic unfolding. You couldn't just put put Florida above Tennessee? Like, is it that hard? I just think so many people are like, oh, we can't drop Tennessee that far. Early
0: season, you can. I think, early because you're right, Danny, when you've got a bigger body of work and there are other wins that you can grab onto and say like, look, it was just one Saturday, Tennessee didn't play well, Florida won the game on their terms and the only way that Florida could win that game, credit Florida, but we're not going to throw Tennessee in the trash can. But Tennessee's just got wins over UVA and Austin P, an FCS team and one that's getting really close to being rated on the level of an FCS team. So I... I don't know what you're holding on to for the Vols.
1: I have a very easy solution for this problem. Don't rank either Tennessee and Florida and
0: rank Clemson and Missouri instead.
1: Missouri probably
0: should have been in the top 25. I thought, because, and yes. y'all mentioned this too, I, I did get a good bit of the the noon window in, and that was just a competitive game between teams that were on the same level. Like mm-hmm. Kansas State and Missouri, they played 10 times. That ends up going 6-4, right? You know, like it it is... um you know, it is a compliment to Missouri with the way that they competed in that game. So I'm, I would have thought that Missouri should be a top 25 team, Kansas State checking in just behind them. If you want to throw Tennessee out, I understand, but that's not what Audrey Dahlgren wanted to do when she put Tennessee at number 14 on her ballot this week. <laughs> what? That's 14? not what Michael Lev wanted to do with Tennessee at 15 on his ballot this week. If you want to know why Tennessee's still in it, it's because Chuck Landon and James Williams both have them at 16, mm-hmm. with Florida nowhere to be found.
1: There are still seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 voters who have Tennessee in their top 20.
0: <laughs> I
2: will say, uh, one of the, and this is kind of jumping into the UFR a little bit on this game, because I don't think we need to talk Tennessee, Florida twice more after we talked it on Sunday night. I went back and watched this. I don't think Milroe was quite as, or excuse me, Milton was quite as bad. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, oh, Lord! Got, got, got a lot Meanest of Meanest thing anybody uh, said about Joe Milton yet? Um, I, I don't think Milton was quite as bad as I thought he was watching live. Uh, I I did not watch the game with the sound on, right? Because like I've got multiple TVs going. You really, unless you're really a psycho, you, it's hard for me to watch games like with multiple soundtracks going at the same time. Um, if anybody has some tips on that, let me know. I didn't realize that Mincy didn't play and Cade Mays didn't play. Mm. And it's pretty well accepted that the Tennessee backup offensive linemen suck. So Florida was able to light box them really well, like meaning they, they did not have to break out all the blitz stuff that we talked about on the show, would they or would they not? Uh, I guess Mincy had some stuff happen to him midweek, so we'll see kind of uh, if he's going to be eligible to play for them this week. And uh, Mays is obviously pretty important for their center. But Florida whipped them up front. I don't really think that uh, uh, Jordan is saying uh, cited for possession for Menzi. Yeah, on Thursday. So whatever on that, but he didn't play. Um, Still interested to see Florida's blitz blitz package be broken out. I don't think Milton was quite as bad on a down-to-down basis. The bad stuff was still pretty damn bad, but he did have more pressure without the blitz than I expected him to in that game, and he didn't handle it super well.
3: The other uh, the other issue I had again, I don't like complaining because it's Florida State. But I if, and if you want to drop Florida State, by all means drop them, drop them three or four spots. But to move Texas ahead, I mean they were tied up 10 10 going in the fourth quarter against Wyoming. Like if you yeah. just box score checked, you'd be like, Oh, Florida State only won by two, and you know, uh, Texas one big. Genie,
0: they did. It was on the Longhorn Network. Right. Oh, I mean like of these AP top 25 voters they have struggled enough in their hotel rooms or as they're traveling or getting quotes in post game like they are only getting whatever's on your basic cable package in press boxes and hotel rooms there is no way you can expect that they were had eyes on Texas Wyoming beyond the final score
3: and if you want it cuz I am I think you should shuffle around I have no problem with Florida State dropping I actually think it's good like give them motivation before Clemson why aren't we moving Washington up Because they have done nothing but be spectacular. And like if you want to move them ahead of Penn State, go ahead. Like Pick one. Move them up three or four spots. They deserve it. Within their own league. Why is Washington not ahead of USC?
2: Like Washington, you can think Boise's not any good. And you can think Michigan State's not any good. Mm -hmm. Right. But they've smoked everybody they've played. And it's, I think, incontrovertible that Washington has played a tougher schedule than USC. Right? Like, Nevada's on that USC schedule. San Jose, with a bunch of guys out, is on that schedule. Stanford, which just lost to an FCS team, is on that schedule. Like Washington has beaten Tulsa, a Boise team, which is not as good as it once was, but is still not horrible, and Michigan State.
0: Boise is better than both of the Mountain West teams that USC has beaten, and it has yes. beaten Michigan State yes. on the road. I'm- Correct. And all by right. the way, the CBS Sports 133, with all of its genius voters, has Washington jumping USC and Ohio State into the top five this week Good because we're rewarding teams yeah. that are like doing what you are supposed to do every single Saturday. That's not what Georgia's doing. That's not what Alabama's doing. There are other 3-0 and teams that have not done what they are supposed to or expected to do, and that's all the Huskies have Why? done. Why is Notre Spartans Dame in the behind country.
2: USC? It shouldn't be. Is, is it is it just Caleb? Like you if you tell mm-hmm. me from a power rating standpoint, I, I buy that.
0: And Tom but, said on Saturday night, he was like, Look, if you I'm not gonna put Washington number three, I'm sorry, but you I'm not putting words in your mouth. You're like, I'm not gonna put Washington at number three, but if you are, I don't think that's a crazy I thing. No way, you did I
1: put him at two. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't lying. I said I wasn't gonna put him at three. Um <laughs> I will say I'm just gonna say it. Washington is a wagon, it joins Ohio on the wagon, it is just a phenomenon right now and I want to shout out while we're on poll assassin because I've called him out last week for some uh, odd ballots but my guy David Jablonski is just this is a man who thinks for himself he's
0: a free thinker he is the second most free thinking voter right now among the electorate there
1: are 20 well that's the thing Matt Baker has the you know the least whatever ballot but that's just because he has Florida State at one and I think he had Alabama at 22
0: which yeah he has sense. Alabama at 22 he's the man yeah. on Alabama. Uh-huh. Let's go, Matt Let's there go, you go Baker. Matt
1: longtime friend and listener but Jablonski's got 25 teams on his ballot, and he is the high man or the low man on five of them. <laughs> so 20% of his ballot. He's got Texas at one, Washington at two, and then Michigan. He's got Georgia at fourth, which you know is the low man on Georgia. And frankly, considering what Georgia has played and how it looked against South Carolina, that's a perfectly defensible place to put them because I know they're the two-time champs, but they have not looked outstanding. He's got Colorado at 11. He's got Duke at 13. Oregon's 15. Mizzou is 19. So it's just, yeah, he's definitely a free thinker. And while I don't agree with everything he's doing, I do at least appreciate the fact that he is rewarding teams early in the year for actually playing well and winning. big.
0: Games. Fresno state is at his number 25. I love mm-hmm. that right there. I mean, that's, they've got wins over Purdue and Arizona state already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's got, got more Florida, than five wins than a lot of
2: power five teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very Can good stuff. All right, you, Can you talk I... about number twenty four, Iowa. Sure.
3: Are we Your sure Iowa's the
2: <laughs> <They're> <laughs> right. wow. Iowa is a top twenty five team? Iowa State lost to uh, lost to Ohio and Ohio's a good team wagon so i will say, say let, let's get an update here on the iowa state drive for 325 brian france needs to average tw- or brian ference uh they they did score 40 this yeah, that's game. the
0: thing is everyone celebrated the 41 points they don't yeah. realize because they're not following buds save brian ference fund that he needed to hit 45 or else we were going to have to disperse those other points to other games the standard has been raised on the rest of the schedule yep. because the hawkeyes didn't score enough
2: it's it's one time i was interviewing jimbo and we asked him, I think it was about special teams or something. And like, I think their kicker was really bad or the punter. And he goes, Y'all got debt. You can't just wave it away, right? <laughs> like, like this is piling up, right? I I I always got debt here. Um, they needed to score 45 by my projection. So I, I've had to reallocate or redistribute the four points that they missed by only scoring 41. They did go for a fourth down uh, to punch it in to, to to give them those 41 over the weekend. So we need 13 at Penn State this weekend, 24 at home against Michigan State, could be doable, 35 at home against Purdue, uh, 17 at Wisconsin, 21 hosting Minnesota, going to need a full on out, like all-out effort, 35 at Northwestern, 30 on Rutgers, 21 against Illinois, Nebraska 24, a bowl game 21 to get that 25 average. If they do win the West, we have not talked about this aspect yet, I think he's getting fired if they win the West because, like, they would face either Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan,
0: and it would bring the average down. It would definitely
2: tank tank their average. Yeah, Yeah.
3: so tank a game. You you don't have to play. (laughs) Is it automatic firing or what? Because we brought this up last week. I think was like, well, what happens if they go eleven and one and they're in the Big Ten championship game, but they average twenty three? You know, contract
2: terminates. So it doesn't mean they can't give them a new contract. I, I kind of assume he's going to be gone and go to the NFL, you know, at some point, not at the not at the uh, the lawsuit settled.
1: The- I, talk, I talked about this a bit on a different podcast with Chip last week. Or not settled, rather, just went away. I think it's a bit. I don't think it matters. I don't I think, think they care. I think Kirk Ferentz said all this stuff in the off season to get people to shut up. I don't think as long as they keep winning and doing what they're trying to do. I don't think Brian Ferentz is going to be fired. In fact, I think the only true part of this is that if he doesn't score 325 points, he will no longer be the offensive coordinator because Kirk's going to retire and name him head coach.
0: I've Whoa. altered the deal. Pray I do not alter it again. Wow. I'm telling you, I, I just
1: it's fun, but I really, I, I really don't I don't believe the sincerity of the 325 chase anymore. Just watching the way that they're playing because if he There's really no felt team. like he was in
3: danger, he would be trying to run up the score. They don't care. <laughs> I it looked like he cared when he was chewing out Cade McNamara and chucking the headset, though. But that's because Cade was making mistakes. Yeah, I, I mean, don't he, think you know, they I care know, about how, how many points they're scoring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got to keep it up. Again, uh, big big game at Penn State. See if you can go get yourself over 13 uh, to change it up. Last week, I forgot to call for it. I forgot to give all of our awesome audience a look into another one of our great animations. So let's go under the hood. It is a Monday tradition, a pun for the review. There were terrible calls. Do you want to go ahead and jump in? After further review. After further review. After further review. So on the Instant Reaction Show, um, you know, Bud did, uh, he was highlighting the Mac and he was like, man, like look at, you know, all these different results, all these different teams, we've got ourselves a a real Mac race. And I tearfully have said goodbye to the Atlantic and coastal division. and have not really highlighted the fact that we also said goodbye to the mountain West mountain and the mountain West West. We are division list out in the mountain West and the mountain West in week three went eight and two against the spread on a slate that had seven power five opponents. Now, of course, there were only two outright wins in that group. You know, Wyoming keeps it close, they cover the spread. San Diego State keeps it close, cover the spread. Colorado State as well. But UNLV, sadly, uh, took down Vanderbilt and then the aforementioned Fresno State win over Arizona State. So, as we're looking at the top half of this conference, an Air Force, you know, absolutely puts the work in on Friday night. This conference title race is looking kind of wild. Now, we were talking about Boise not looking like Boise. Who do y'all think should be the favorites, or who should we be eyeing to wind up in those last two spots in the Mountain West title game?
1: Based on what I've seen so far, I think Fresno has to be the one team that you really have the most confidence in, because as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, they've got Power 5 wins against Purdue and Arizona State. And although Arizona State looks like it's going to be a smiling... dumpster fire for the rest of the season but i think that just overall jeff tedford is doing the thing jeff tedford does running a well-coached good football team
3: (laughs) i think it'll be air force and fresno state yeah air force has that kind of that feel to it you know because you always get the offense which is a pain to prep for and if they're the one that hasn't adjusted anything, right? You see, Army mm-hmm. and uh, Navy trying to do something different. Air Force is like, nah, we're good. We're going to keep <laughs> running this thing. And, and they also, you know, they, they have just, you know, they have a little more innovation to theirs. Mm-hmm. And their defense is legit. Defense is really good. Yeah. Air Force gets bigger guys too, right? Like, isn't their
2: conditioning tests a little bit different in terms of, of the the size? Like, Air Force's guys look bigger.
0: Anecdotally, yes. I don't have heights, yeah. weights in in front of me right now, but I would we, say that they don't look as outclassed against Mountain West competition, like when they're on the field week in and week out from a size perspective.
1: Yeah, as long as you're not yeah. in the jet, you don't have to be a certain size. All
2: right, teams that could win it, I think it stops at... Air Force could, Boise yes. could, Fresno could, Wyoming could. If San Jose gets all their guys back, they could. Colorado State, if they stay healthy could if if Fresno is not as good as we think they are, like if Fresno is as good like that first game for Purdue was pretty wild. They had a lot of guys out. Obviously, Arizona State had a ton of guys out. Um, what I about Danny's big, beloved UNLV Rebels? UNLV cannot. I am pretty sure.
0: Yeah, like I am going to say no. I am going to say no to San Diego State. I am going to say no to UNLV. And I think Utah State's a no, but honestly,
2: like on a down to down basis, they were not horrible against Air Force. Um, they did have big-time turnover stuff early that was just a disaster. And I
0: think you've got six teams that can win it.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty deep.
1: I
2: think it's three. Yeah, I think six like, is fair.
3: You only like, think three, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think Air Force, Fresno, and Boise are the only three that could win this league. Like Nevada, New Mexico, UNLV, Hawaii, and San Diego State are clear no's, and oh. I think UNLV is a no as well. Like,
3: What happens if Boise State doesn't get there and Andy Avalos is eight and four? I don't know. I mean, because Brian Harson does he go back? Ooh, because he's just sitting out there, right? So that
1: that would be a strange situation because after Harson left and took the Auburn job, there were a lot of Boise fans who were very much on like the "good, we didn't want him here anymore anyway" kind of train. That could be kind of an awkward reunion with the fan base,
0: mm.
1: but uh. maybe. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder because Harson wasn't as good as Chris Peterson. But now that you've seen what's followed Harson, you are maybe you're starting to realize, you know what? Wasn't that bad with Brian Harson in charge, was it?
0: Uh, I've got a you know, one or two others, but I don't want to hog this all. What what else has stood out for a pun for the review? What else do we want to bring up to wrap up the week?
2: Oh, uh, Deuce Knight just committed to Notre Dame. Uh, quarterback, we have him as a, uh, a four star just outside the top 200 nationally right now, kid out of Mississippi. I got to see him play, uh, I think it was at overtime. I don't know, a lot of these summer recruiting events run together. Kind of, you know, wiry, uh, kind of whippy delivery. Uh, wasn't great when I saw him in person, but I think some of the film's pretty pretty interesting. So definitely an intriguing guy for the Irish, at quarterback. Speaking of the Irish, I wrote a, about this, this morning a little he's bit. He's a 25, sorry, not a
1: 24. I wrote about this a little bit in the Monday after. This is 25 years ago. Audric Estime is the number one Heisman candidate. He's a running back at Notre Dame who leads the nation in rushing. And nobody even knows his name for the most part, because we talk about Sam Hartman. We talk about all the quarterbacks, but he's averaging over eight yards per carry. He leads the nation in rushing by like 70 something yards. and He's averaging 4.7 yards post contact per carry. So like if you want to just say it's Sam Hartman in a great offensive line opening lanes for him, he's taking advantage. Fine. But he's brought he's broken more tackles than any other player in the country and just is completely destroying teams.
0: He's a beast. I'm a big
3: fan of uh, the way that that man runs. Uh, Wasn't is, uh? Go ahead. Was was Parker, was he offensive line background or tight end? It's the other thing, too, like the play calling. They might try to feed him a little bit more. He has got a great personality, too. Trying him on the radio show. No, Audrick. Oh, was he good? Uh, yeah, he was really good personality. So I mean that helps. So you get you know, you start getting some of these profiles done on you. I think we'll find out this weekend if it's got legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: If if he or Sam or both they play well and take down Ohio State, hey, this weekend's so much fun. I cannot wait to watch the Notre
1: Dame offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive front. That is yeah. the number one thing going this weekend for me.
0: And that sounds like something we'll be breaking down in a not mid game breakdown. <laughs> No, 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 no. We'll be doing big game breakdown on uh, Wednesday's show. Are the Pitt Panthers going to be in a bowl game at the end of the 2023 regular season? Because right now they are one and two with the only win coming against Wofford and losses to Cincinnati and West Virginia. Their remaining non-conference game is at Notre Dame in South Bend, and their conference draw includes North Carolina, Florida State, and Duke, three of the teams that are ranked in the top 25 with uh, road trips to Wake Forest and home dates again road trips to Virginia Tech and Wake Forest home dates against Louisville Syracuse and Boston College. I can get you three wins on that remaining schedule. Do you see five? no that's we were talking from ACC preseason Dark Horse. To not in a bowl game, I think that if a way too early quarter poll, you know, three games in takeaway was that is that was the uh, one of the steepest falls that I have seen through the first three weeks of the season. I
1: mean, let's let's go back a couple years. Pat Narduzzi had an offense that was scoring a ton of points, was winning a ton of games, had a Heisman finalist, and you know, nearly won the ACC he didn't and want they did that win the ACC. Or, i'm sorry they did win the acc yeah. he didn't want that he wanted to go back to smart football you know don't beat yourself just low scoring don't make mistakes and he's got a quarterback who's making way too many mistakes and that style of play does not work with a quarterback with making turning the ball over as often as Jerkovich has turned it over and it's one of those "be careful what you wish for" kind of things because Pitt is really suffering this year because of it.
2: I, I think Djokovic looks hurt. I'm not saying like you shouldn't be playing him hurt because he's going to get further hurt, but there's no way they went through fall camp with him looking like that. Like What's and, and back like pretty raw kid in vu from from Penn State who, who transferred I I mean some of these balls he's throwing just look like like it do you guys remember when I when I was convinced last year that that hall was hurt for byu and they just wouldn't say anything and Jared he played hall like crap yeah played yeah. like crap for like like a month and then all like he, as he healed up he and then they're like oh yeah he's kind of banged up I was like oh he was hmm. curious weird that's how jakovic looks to me like I watched that whole pit game the way he's throwing the ball just looks, it looks really off personally. But he's looked I, like that for two years now.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I was going to say that the, the whole, the whole body of work is, seems like he's kind of, but you mentioned, I mean, on a very different scale, but you mentioned Jordan Travis as someone who kind of always seems always to have down, something yeah. going on. Maybe Phil jakovic is like that as well. Pitt faces North Carolina at home this week. Then you get at Virginia tech. That should be an opportunity for a win. Then Louisville at home at wake forest. I mean, you've, You've got to go through the next four games and you've got to find a way to get two wins or else this is a season that's going to start moving in reverse fast.
2: I was very wrong about that team.
0: Yeah, that's, hey, listen, that's okay. Right, any any other? Oh, uh, did
2: you see, I guess Beanie Bishop, uh, the the DB for West Virginia called him.
3: Yeah, trash. Said he won very good. We weren't oh, worried.
0: and so the quote seems really inflammatory, but to hear the delivery, he's very like matter of fact about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, we broke down the tape, and he just wasn't a good quarterback.
3: That's rough. You'd rather have a guy <laughs> talking wild smack about you than that. It <laughs> hurts way deeper.
1: Yeah. I have assessed this man, and he is not good.
0: Not good at his job. Yeah, that was. If the he's not
2: hurt, I feel really bad for him. Yeah, like, like he, yeah, ugh.
0: And that, and you know, you'd gone there to link up with your old offensive coordinator. I mean, it's. Um, it's it's not going well uh, for the Pit Panthers uh, as they try to steady the ship following a one and
3: two start. All right. Anything else? One more.
0: Yeah.
3: Pac-12 made a mistake doing away with divisions because mm-hmm. I think there could be a chance they could get two teams in the playoff. Like, Why aren't we? And I was honestly wondering, like, why aren't we having that conversation? They do all play each other that last month of the season, but. If you you had a one loss team that was right there, and maybe they still can, I can, they, but I, it just feels like they're going to all cannibalize each other, and then you're going to have you know a second loss, or because I, I don't think you're going to have an undefeated team. But if you had all one loss, and you had two one loss teams play in the championship, Pac-12 championship game, and then you had the one team that didn't make it is there and is really good lost to one of those teams, you could have that situation that we've seen unfold before when you have divisions.
2: You have auto wins now in this league, though. Like like this is going to be a really interesting thing because there are six teams that I think are pretty clearly at worst top 20 level football teams. And then you have three that are somewhere between like 35 and 65 in terms of like on the national scale. And then you have, you know, two that are just Auto wins. <laughs> exactly.
0: I think that, see, I think that as long as their champion comes out with one loss, yeah. that at least propels them to the playoff in a way that a one loss Pac-12 champ had no chance to do in some of the years previous. Some of the years previous, Pac-12 was facing that scenario where they needed to be undefeated to have a shot. I think having so many good teams at least allows for one loss to be able to stay in the national championship hunt. To this point,
1: as does the spotlight put on the league
0: Mm. by Dion.
1: One hundred percent. All these games are going to be getting attention.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, as we mentioned, it is an absolutely. Uh, stacked weekend, which is why we love to try to get ahead of it, even before Thursday's uh, Locks show give you some inside info, a look at the matchups, the X-Factors, the storylines we are looking to play out. It is big game breakdown, and it is coming up Wednesday 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out and watch us live. We appreciate everybody that does, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Funnell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at elliot 3 you can Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, digger...